Hey, what's good everybody? This is Harry Arnett. This is Municipal's 15-Minute Mentor. Today I'm checking in with Michael Ecker. You don't know Michael, but you should. When you meet Michael Ecker, you know you're not meeting an ordinary dude. You're meeting a person with energy, passion, vision, and an unstoppable spirit. Profoundly, he represents the power of possibility. I've been around a lot of leaders in my life, and Michael is right at the top with respect to his impact on an organization and its stakeholders. I met Michael about four or five years ago because he's not just somebody I admire. He's someone who my wife Kim and I have personally entrusted with the most precious parts of us, our own daughters. See, Michael is the principal of Calvera Hills Middle School right here in Carlsbad, California. He's an educator with nearly 20 years of experience as both a teacher and an administrator. And his work has been in designing schools that pursue meaningful and relevant learning experiences for every student in positive, inclusive environments. Through his work, his current school, Calavera Hills, has twice been named National and State School to Watch and earned California's Gold Ribbon Awards. As a matter of fact, that gold ribbon, he wears it around right on his chest everywhere he goes, so he's easy to spot. So here's Michael and me talking about the power of possibility. All right, so Michael, let's talk about possibility. I think we need to make it a little more concrete because... You know, when you bring a word up like that and it's, it has such broad connotation and meaning, it's wrapped in a bunch of different themes, vision, positivity, optimism. You have to have a healthy examination and critique of the present. Um, so what, is, what does possibility mean to you specifically as a leader? I mean, for a leader of a school, I'd say possibility uh, to do it well really, really begins with the child that walks through the gates of your campus and into the classroom. It's about when you say possibility is a way to, you know, put it with the research is to say possible selves. How well can a child align themselves to what they dream to be? And how well do we as an organization support them in that pathway by aligning what we do in school to what their possible selves may be? You know, there's, um, you know, I, I was recently, I was talking about Gopperson's work and, and also Lent's work, these, these career theorists, uh, and they talk a ton about efficacy and how important that is in, in, in helping students come up with these ideas on what they want to be and then, and then be able to deliver on it. There's a lot of failure in our lives. All of us know. We, all the, we have big dreams and there's times in which we've had success and there's probably more times than that that we've failed at it. And developing their efficacy to, to be able to withstand those failures and be able to push through is important. So, and um, you, you think about about that role that schools can play. And then, I mean, you mentioned there a, a critique of the present. So I'll just say that the critique of the present is that we've got one over a million, like 1.2 million kids in the United States drop out of school every year. That's like one every 26 seconds. That's that 7,000 kids a day in America that we lose. Uh, and then if you really want to go macro than that, it's, even out of school, we have kids that graduate high school and then are lost. And we just have to be better. If that's the baseline of, of, of where we stand today, uh, I think it is probably, uh, you know, we were talking about the old school way of schools. And I think in, in the end, it's worked well for the people that, that needed school not as much and the people that really depend on school uh, that don't have other possibilities, it's been failing. You know, that, that, that Georgetown's done a ton of research around this as well, that you, know, you start in kindergarten and, they, and they've been able to show 
that a high-performing academic kid in kindergarten that is low income is underperforming the low academic performer with high income down the road. Within school itself and beyond school, the opportunities are, are two different worlds. So, you know, what we do in school, I think there's a huge possibility now that the win of this all is that we've, we've changed in schools. We, we've seen, I think most lay people know the, the failures of No Child Left Behind. Uh, we've reauthorized that as what we call ESSA, which is asking, you know, district states to have multiple measures of success in school, not just a single test. Um, and I, we've got ways to go, but this, this is kind of the pathway we need to start going down is how did we develop schools to bring out the best possible selves? How do we build students up to be able to reach their goals and have school be a reason for it instead of just a checkbox to get through? Okay, so Michael, you've dumped a whole bunch of idealism on us, and I love that. But I also hear that you've grounded a lot of that idealism into some, into some data and research and cold hard facts. And change under any circumstance is really difficult. You are in a field that's famously bureaucratic with strong, relentless bureaucratic headwinds. How do you stay committed to your vision for what you see things can be when you're, you're sort of are running up, bumping up against things that are more retrospective and looking at kind of holding you back? Or is that, is that really not the way it is? No, I, I think you're right uh, about, I mean, it's a, I mean, I'm a state employee, right? So I, I take, I take direction from, uh, you know, up in Sacramento in reality. And, and to be honest, because uh, the federal government plays a role, especially with, with title uh, funds, you know, go, if I already mentioned ESSA, you know, that's a federal law. Uh, you know, there's a lot of people out there to tell me what to do. Uh, and so it's true. Um, and, but I do believe that, the, like, in my experience, the greatest pushback that I've received is pushback that is furthest away from our school and our community. You know, the, the student, this idea of student-centered learning, human-centered schools, community-connected learning opportunities, they're uplifting. So, you know, they, they don't necessarily always fit perfectly into the scope and sequence of uh, a curriculum that is written or a textbook company. Um, so that's that at that those kind of junctures, we get some pushback and people that are telling me, hey, that you know, really what people care about is this test score. If you could just focus on on test prep, um, I get that. Uh, I mean, I, I, I get I hear that sometimes, and I hear that from people that tell me that they agree with me. You know, they, that I, I like to talk about Campbell's Law all the time. They're like, no, I get it, I agree with you, uh, but. Uh, this is just the way it is, and I. But I have found very little pushback when it comes from our own team here, and it, it's just um, we the way that we just develop. When you think about change, I, I know it's hard. It was slow, and a, and it was hard to get people to see um, a, a different way at first. Um, but the big way that we changed it here is, is, is we took advantage of the most effective, least expensive conference available, which is all I did is I, I asked uh, teachers if they wanted to go and visit different schools. 
And there's a lot of amazing schools out there that uh, are doing some really innovative things. We would go to the school and they, and they would open their eyes to see, wow, it, would, it doesn't just have to be the way that we've always done it. Then we'd, I'd take them out to lunch. That's the important part. Right? You can't miss that. You have to take them out to lunch. And then you have conversation with them at that time about their hopes and dreams as an educator, what they want to do, what they want to accomplish. And it, you find out there's a lot there with humans that raise their hand to be in schools and work with kids, some really inspiring people um, that, that want to be teachers. And sometimes they just had that creativity crammed out of them. And they've been told that they're not supposed to think they're supposed to work through a textbook. And, but when you involve teachers and then students, uh, you know, as the people that are developing the changes on campus, then you, you can't stop it if you wanted to. We, we have this North Star of meaningful and relevant work, but the vision was co-created. Uh, every student and every teacher plays a role. And when they feel that, hey, when I walk on campus, I know that this school is the way it is because of me, you know, the, the, it, there's just no stopping us. And that's, and that's really, I'd say, how we've been able to push back against the bureaucratic headwinds. And we know what we need to do. We know, you know, the, the tests that we need to take, and we want to make sure that we're ready for it, and we put our best foot forward because that's what we do. We give our best every time. Uh, but our vision of where we're getting to, it remains clear. Wait a minute. So, all right, I'm 50 years old, Michael, and I've been asking myself these kinds of questions my entire life. You mean to tell me to get started on making meaningful change? All I had to do was offer free stuff and lunch, and that's how it began? Well, I'll, I'll tell you, for teachers that have never been offered that before, it, I mean, te- teachers generally uh, are, are like fall over themselves thankful if you allow them to use the restroom. So th- these are, uh, unfortunately, some of, some of the most, when you look at schools. These are my heroes you're talking about, Michael. Yeah. I mean, gosh, like every, there's a guy named John Hattie, and I only bring that up right now because maybe he'll listen to this. And John Hattie is, is amazing. He's a great researcher, but he lives in New Zealand. So maybe he'll want me to fly out there so we can talk. Right. Um, that's a joke. Although I would love to go to New Zealand again. It's beautiful. Uh, is, uh, you know, he, he shows in his research that teachers are the most important people on a school campus when I talk. When you, if you're just focused on learning, it's teachers. And, um, and we, I, I think we sometimes undercut them. And we like I said, you empower them and you make them practitioners and not just, you know, implementers of curriculum. It's, it's crazy. It really is uh, amazing what, what they can do when inspired. Well, I think that's, that's really analogous to the commercial business world. What you're saying is really empowering and talking and having a, a conversation, a relationship with the people who are closest to your customer. And in, in your case, that's the students and the parents. And of course, the educators are the ones that are closest to the students. They're with them the most, as much as we'd love for the parents to, to take over once the kids leave the school, the, the, stu- the, the teachers are the ones closest to the, uh, the process. Yeah, and you know, the uh, Gallup, you know, Gallup does a survey every year about uh, teacher engagement. Do you know that the, that the percentage nationwide of teachers that uh, name themselves as engaged in their work is 30%? Oh, that's tragic. It, it, I, gave, I told that data point to, um, at, a, at a 
just we had parents on campus. I did like a, like a principal talk and there was a guy who raised his hand and says, you know, in my workforce, that's when we decide to let people go. <laughs> and I almost wanted to cry in front of them. It was just, it's just, it's horrible that that's the norm. And student engagement rates are, they fall off a cliff when you get to middle school too. It's 80% engagement from kids in fifth grade and it gets to 40% by eighth grade and down into the thirties nationwide by high school. Well, and I know, that, I know in the, right there. Yeah. And I know in the, in the commercial world, the number one reason that um, people aren't engaged is because of their manager. It doesn't really have much to do with the company vision, although you'd, you'd want that to be great. But I would just, it, it, if you can ignite the passion of, of an educator, a teacher, that has a multiplying effect on the students, doesn't it? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, like you go back to they're the most important person on campus, people on campus when it comes to learning, and that's what we do. So if you have dis, I mean, the actual the percentage of actively disengaged teachers nationwide is also pretty large. Mm-hmm. It is, um, it, it is really sad, and it goes to the fact that they that I think generally you talk, you you grab a hundred teachers and ask questions, of, ask them how they feel about the respect they receive in their job. I think that you'll be surprised on how many feel disrespected, and eventually you become disengaged. And that is, it's just avoidable. You know, it, they're, like I said, you sit down and have a conversation with them over lunch and uh, you find, I, I, I find that, that, it's, that I, I don't have an example that I could think of, of somebody who chose a profession of working with kids as their life's work that isn't someone you just fall in love with. Yeah. I mean, they, they, that underneath the shell that uh, that sometimes teachers put around themselves where they feel, you know, victimized, there is tremendous talent. I mean, these are people that are, you know, they, they go through a lot of schooling to go beyond college to get this. So it's not like um, you, you've got, I mean, there's, it's plenty of intelligence, plenty of drive to do this work. Um, and it's just amazing. It's like, um, you know, when, when we can, when we can circle around this idea of meaning, you know, and I, I talk about it with teachers too. I want them to find relevance in their work too. If they're not, if they don't have relevance in what they're teaching, you know, I, as a student, I wouldn't want to be in that class. And we can find that relevance uh, with with I feel like every single teacher on this campus, and those classes just take off. I've had many teachers tell me uh, that it, like year in year out, hey, this was the best year I've ever had. Those that's what I would want to hear from our teachers about that they feel respected, they feel supported, and they feel in love with the work that they do. That was Michael Ecker. Almost makes you want to go back to middle school, doesn't it? (laughs) No, nobody wants to go back to middle school. To hear more episodes of the 15-Minute Mentor and to check more out from Municipal, please go to municipal.com and sign up to be on our email list. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts and Spotify and do me a solid, would you? Can you share this with a friend? Please follow us at Municipal on all of the social channels, and you can find me at Harry Arnett on Twitter and Instagram as well. Appreciate you listening. Let's go be unstoppable.